0: So it's not when we get caught doing something wrong. It's when we realize who God is. And because of who he is and the relationship we desire to have with him, that we acknowledge him as our God. And then we are really sorry. And we have that repentant heart. It's a really, really sorrowful heart. It's the real thing. No, it's that personal, intimate thing inside of you when you decide, I need God in my life.
1: I'm Alice Newsome, and you're listening to the Repurpose and Publish podcast. I've heard it said that graveyard is the most valuable piece of real estate on the planet because it's filled with unrealized dreams, ideas, and visions. This podcast is about denying the grave consumption of the great content locked up in my computer and taking the bold step. To share my thoughts and creativity with
0: you. And now, here's more repurposed content
1: from my computer.
0: Thanks for listening. Today joining Bible study are Marlena Leary. Hi, thanks for having me. And Sia Dickerson. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, ladies. We're studying the concept of God. Concept is an idea of something formed by mentally combining all its characteristics or particulars. It's a perceived thought. So when thinking of God, how do you imagine him? God actually paints a picture of who he is, and he gives us insight into his character. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool, Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. In this text, God just said a mouthful. Let's look at three things God just said about himself. Number one, God said heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. That means God is big. God starts off by talking about his humongous throne that it fills all of heaven and he rests his feet on the earth, which is his footstool. God is a spirit, but in this verse God tells us how big he is in terms we can understand. So let's get a mental picture of how big God is from Isaiah 66:1. So envision with me, God as an enormous figure sitting on a throne, whose body we can't see because it's above the clouds. And here on earth which is his footstool, we're only able to see a part of the soles of his feet. Imagine his feet are so big, wide, massive, and thick that when standing, you're not able to see his toenails and that his toenails are only visible by aerial view. As you look up from a distance, you can faintly see the knob of his ankle as his shins disappear into the clouds. So all you can see standing on your tiptoes is a portion of the sole of God's feet. And as you look up, squinting your eyes off in the distance, maybe. Maybe you can make out the knob of his ankle as the rest of his body is enveloped by the clouds. Now, that's a big God. When
2: I think of God, I imagine him being this Enormous being, kind of like when you hold an apple in your hand, um, like it's the world and him looking onto us, like him being that massive and that great and just there and being everywhere. But, but I don't know. I imagine him as a huge being that's just kind of watching over us.
0: Okay. All right. See ya. How do you imagine God? Uh, I imagine God being more so
3: in spirit form, like kind of as a big light, just being around all of us at one time or just basically being in our minds, bodies and spirits.
0: God sits on a throne. So to sit on a throne is to sit in the seat of authority. Here on Earth, sovereigns, presidents and judges sit in the seat of authority but their jurisdiction is limited. God wants us to know that his territory is unlimited because his throne extends from heaven to earth. And by sitting on this heavenly throne, God shows that he is superior to earthly kings and queens. His gigantic throne shows his limitless ownership, power and authority. It shows that he occupies the universe and rules the world. God is the supreme sovereign. He is larger, more powerful and superior to any being who has ever existed. God is so substantial that no house on the entire planet of the earth is big enough to contain his presence. It just gave me a little bit more insight
3: and education. I never really read this text. So it just gave me a bit more insight and information more than what I thought.
0: Secondly, God said, all these things mine hand hath made or simply put. God said, my hand made all these things. So God is creator. In verse two of Isaiah 66, imagine God sitting on his massive throne looking down at the kingdoms of the earth in all of their splendor and majesty, spreading his arms out wide and saying, my hand made all these things. Now, this is not a prideful statement. It's a statement of fact that all things exist because God called them into being. God is the creator of everything, visible things, the sky, the earth, the grass, the trees, people and oceans, and invisible things such as wind and gravity. Everything that exists is attributed to God, even modern things like automobiles, airplanes and computers. Why? Because God called all the components of everything into existence and anything that is made comes from something God created. He also designed men and women in his image with intelligence. He empowered us and gave us authority to do whatever we set our minds to do. We are all creative, just like God, who is the master creator of everything.
2: Listening to this verse took me back to a conversation my husband and I had a couple of weeks ago about how big God is. I was mentioning how um, we can't be without him Placing everything strategically. Look at how the universe is laid out, like how we're, we're the third planet from the sun. Anything too close can't live. Anything too far can't live because mm-hmm. it's too cold. Anything, you know, closer than the earth is too hot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lack of oxygen. Other planets are missing things that allow life. Except for earth, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm like, that's just God right there. No man had mm-hmm. come up with that. I mean, that's just it just blew my mind. This verse just took me back to to mm-hmm. that, like
0: mm-hmm. just to see how big and powerful God really is. Number three. God said, but to this man will I look. So God, the powerful creator and ruler of the universe is looking for you. Yes, God is looking for you and me, not to punish us, but he's looking for us because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He loves us so much that he inspired men to write the Bible and translate it into several different languages so that we could know him and study his ways. God has requirements and guidelines. And in Isaiah 66 six two, God said, this is the type of person I am looking for. I'm looking for a man or a woman who is poor. Now, the word poor is translated humble. So God is looking for humble men and women, regardless of their financial status, be it poor, middle class or rich. He's looking for people who are willing to become poor in spirit by humbling themselves. He's looking for people who are not stubborn and prideful and arrogant or pretentious because he knows our motives and he looks at our hearts. So there's no reason to pretend because God sees right through you. He knows exactly who you are and he's looking for people who are willing to admit that he is God, the creator and ruler of the universe. And greater than any earthly king or queen. God is looking for people who are contrite in spirit. Contrite in spirit is when our pride and our egos are crushed by the weight of our guilt and sin. And it's when our hearts are broken into pieces because of our shame. Shame can break us down. Mm -hmm. Shame breaks us down. And when we're sorry, but it's not the sorry we feel when we get caught doing something wrong. It's not that sorry. No, but it's when we realize who God is and we're sorry for not acknowledging him. And we're sorry for living in opposition to his word because we get stubborn and we have our own way of doing stuff. And all of us have decided to go another way at some time in our life. We say, "Ah, I know what God says. I know what the words say, but maybe not right now. Not today. I'm going to do it this way. And I'll just have to deal with that later. Or maybe you don't even think about dealing with it. You just decide, no, I'm not going to do it. I know, but I'm not doing it. So it's not when we get caught doing something wrong. It's when we realize who God is and because of who he is and the relationship we desire to have with him, that we acknowledge him as our God. And then we are really sorry and we have that repentant heart. It's a really, really sorrowful heart. It's the real thing. No, it's that personal, intimate thing inside of you when you decide. I need God in my life. God, I need you to help me because there's nobody else who can really help me. And I need you to change me because I can't change myself. It's at that point that God comes in and he starts to change us because we've yielded ourselves. We put away our pride and we put away our arrogance and we put away our selfishness and we've come and we said, God, I need you. So help me. Help me to do what it is that I'm supposed to do, Lord, so I can have a real relationship with you. So contrite his spirit is when we're broken and we're crushed and in our hearts. We're remorseful. We're repentant, apologetic, penitent and ashamed. He's looking for people who are willing to bow at his feet in humble submission to his will.
2: Yeah, I just thought about what Sia mentioned earlier about sometimes God will take you through things because when you were saying that, I was thinking, well, how do you get to that point? I mean, if, if you're just going down your own path, you're not just, the flesh is not going to want to turn back and say, Oh, you know what? I do need God. Let me stop. Mm-mm. You know, no. there's going to have to be some things that happen to get you yep. to turn around. So just like Jonah, when he went the opposite way, mm-hmm. some things had to happen for him to get to that place yeah. where he was like, OK, God, I need you. I messed up. Mm-hmm. So um just we're not going to do that on our own. So that's why I thought mm-hmm. about you and that comment you said earlier, like the Lord, he knows how to send things your way to kind of nudge you into that U-turn pattern.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, just like the prodigal son, mm-hmm. he yep. had to go through a lot. He had to yeah. lose all his money, lose all the little friends he had accumulated mm-hmm. along the way, end up in the slot pen, mm-hmm. you know, with the hogs. Yep. And then one day, mm-hmm. after all that, yeah. one day <laughs> after who yeah. knows how long, yeah, in that condition, mm-hmm. and one day he decided, okay, mm-hmm. he's had enough. So it's a the power of changing your mind, the power of realizing that. There is better for you mm-hmm. if you accept it, if you humble yourself, because it costs, doesn't it? Yeah. It oh, costs yeah. <laughs> to come back.
3: Yeah.
2: hmm
3: And me, myself, you know, I went through that personal experience. Like, I've always been into church, but just like you said, church is not enough. You got to know why you're going to church. And I mm-hmm. didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought... Like, sometimes when I go through things, I don't want to pray because I feel like I'm just calling upon him because something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Even though I always do thank God, I just, you know, that's how it is. So, like, I always went to church, but I was shacking up, like, and I wasn't really abiding by God's law, like, not really living godly. Even though I went to church and then, you know, I got cancer. Mm -hmm. So, at that point... I still really didn't want to call on him like that. Cause again, I felt like I'm just calling on you because something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So me myself, and I'm still learning right now what it is to build a relationship with God. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm literally just slowly starting to come around to it and talk to my pastor. He explains it more, but you got to experience it for yourself. So somebody could tell you a million times what Mm -hmm. it is until Mm -hmm. you actually do it. And, you know so Mm -hmm. god has definitely humbled me Mm -hmm. and i'm still learning how to do
2: that now so Mm -hmm. i'm still in transitioning with Mm -hmm. my relationship with god
0: no right i think
2: those things i think a relationship is always a learning i mean any relationship not yeah i mean marriage friendship whatever like you're always learning more about each other always growing and so it's I, i don't think anyone even people who you know are Top pastors today i don't you know or whatever i don't they're not there yet mm-hmm. you know it's always a there's always more to learn and grow, so
0: um it's a process for everybody yeah it is it is mm-hmm. and it takes time and it takes patience, and you find out how patient yeah. God is because mm-hmm. he was really patient, waiting on us to turn around yep and realize that we were going the wrong way and that we really did want a relationship with him. That we really did believe that we could talk to him, even though we, you know, you look at your motives and you say, well, I'm not just going to go to God because something's wrong. Right. That's mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. But you can. Mm-hmm. And he welcomes you. Mm-hmm. He wants you to come running to him. He wants you to come. His arms are open wide. He wants you to come and say, God, this is wrong and that's wrong. And this happened and that happened. And then he also wants you to come when you're happy and say, God, this is a good day. This happened and that happened and this happened because it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. He wants you to experience his love. Good times, bad. Never leave you. Never forsake you right there for you. Right there in it with you, helping you through it. Mm -hmm. relationship. You can depend on him. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. He wants you to know that you can depend on him. He's huge. He's humongous. He's the creator of the universe. He's the supreme sovereign. But then he's God, your father, who you can crawl up on his lap and sit there and put your head on his chest and say, Dad, this happened to me today. You can even call him Dad. You can be so personal with God that you can call him Dad. And he allows you to. So the powerful creator and ruler of the universe is looking for you. How does that make you feel?
3: It definitely makes me feel love and appreciated. And definitely like times, like hard times or hardships, it just gives me a sense of security and helps me trust in him more. You know, knowing that he will always have my back no matter what. <laughs> so it definitely gives me a lot of security and confidence within myself.
2: Mm-hmm. It does make you feel loved because you know that something bigger than you has your back and it's protecting you. And the, like you said, the creator of the universe mm-hmm. it knows my name. Mm-hmm. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. Even when I add extra hairs to it, <laughs> he knows, you know, like it's just, and so that makes you feel good, <laughs> you know, to know that somebody cares about you that much, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Okay. All right. Good. Now it doesn't frighten you to think that God's looking for you. When I'm doing wrong, of course, <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> it finds me when my mom is looking for me, right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, even more so when God is <laughs> okay. right,
0: because some people believe that God is angry with them, they don't see God as a loving father figure or a loving God, they see him as a judge, and he's coming for them, or he's. Aiming for them because this has happened and that's happened and he didn't answer this prayer. And maybe he's just angry.
3: I wouldn't be like afraid to think like he's angry. I just, you know, as the text says, God is a jealous God. So I just feel like maybe if he's not feeling appreciated, he'll just put you in situations to humble yourself and bring you to him. Like, you know, put you in situations to where you will have to trust and confide in him and actually just put your all into him. So I just think maybe. If you worship men or worship anything else other than him, I think he'll put you in a situation to bring you to him and to humble yourself.
2: I can personally relate to feeling like God is more of a judge than, than a loving God because I used to feel that way. I used to feel like really afraid, like, Oh, if I do this, God gonna get me. And I will walk around kind of anticipating wrath and judgment. Yeah. Um, until I just started really reading the scriptures for myself and seeing that, yeah, he is a God of judgment, but he's also a God of love. And I don't have to be fearful because he didn't give me the spirit of fear. So I don't have to walk around in fear of, Oh, I had a bad thought today. So I'm on my way to hell or whatever, you know, because I, I used to for years yeah. was in fear. So I, so I understand, you know, people that that go through to. that
0: yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think a lot of people believe that god is angry with them mm-hmm. and that he's just out for them so if he's looking for them they may be hiding mm-hmm. like Mm-mm, god looking for me what did i do or you know what you did yeah and uh and you're feeling guilty you mm-hmm. just don't want to face him his love has overcome your fear so it's when you have a better relationship with him and when you start reading for yourself That's very important. My mother always told me, read the Bible for yourself. Go to church, listen to the preacher, but always read the scriptures for yourself and ask God for understanding. And I tell you, he certainly answers. He certainly helps to reveal that scripture to you so you can understand it yourself because his goal is to have a relationship with us. So all of that's important. Go to church. Listen to the preacher and read the Bible for yourself because God wants a personal relationship with you, with each one of us. That's what it's all about. It's not about the church you attend. It's about your relationship with God. You know him. Do you know him as creator? You know him as a loving father? Do you know him as a counselor? Because he's a wonderful counselor. You can sit there and cry on his shoulder and he can counsel you and help reveal things to you he help you see you. He'll show you yourself and then he'll help to heal you in your places that you're broken mm-hmm. where you need him to heal you. That's who he is. He comes to help and he comes to heal. Mm-hmm. He comes to help heal broken-hearted people. And so to be broken is really not a bad thing and maybe that's
2: what the scripture mean by him looking for you because he's looking for those for those broken people so that he can heal them.
0: Number 3, God is looking for people who tremble at his word. God's word is the Bible. And to tremble at God's word is to hear and understand what the Bible is saying and use it as a gauge for our lifestyle, our thoughts and our opinions. For example, God's words say this thing right here is sin and it's in opposition to my word. But for you, this thing has been a part of your lifestyle because you didn't know it was sin or you knew it was, but you weren't willing to give it up. Now that God's word has pricked your heart and you see the Bible in a whole new light, you may physically tremble realizing you have opposed the creator and ruler of the universe. But to tremble at God's word is to respect the Bible. Sometimes, you know, people say the Bible is outdated. And it's not really practical. So what do you say about the Bible and its practical application today? Does it apply or is it old school? Is it outdated? Or is it relevant? I feel like it's
3: relevant and apply because things in the Bible definitely comes true and I I feel like History just repeats itself. So I definitely think it's relevant into everyday life.
2: Yeah, I do too. Um, King James version sometimes is a little harder to, to digest for some people. Um, so if, if there's something that you're not understanding, maybe reading it in a different translation, just so you can kind of get a better understanding. And then it's like, Oh, okay. You know, we talked about some biblical mothers and just how just reading some of those scriptures, how it lined up with some of the same things that are happening today, you know, like a single mom, an unloved mom, a mom who lost her, her child. You know, these are same things that are happening today. So, um, it's definitely relevant. It's like, like you said, it's history repeating itself.
0: Before I go, I want to share some advice I got from my mother. She said, read it for yourself. In this case, I'm referring to today's scripture, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Look it up and read it for yourself. Use different translations so you can get a clearer understanding of what you read. And always remember that God loves you. And until next time, be blessed. Hello, I'm Galene, your host from Let's Meet the
4: Author. I want to go ahead and boast about one of my authors who premiered in the first season, Alice Newsom. I have read her book over and over and I cannot put it down. I have recommended it to my sisters. I recommend it to my mom, to my aunties, and even the male members in my family. Finally, there's a book that talks about the women of the Bible. All right. And also, it gives juicy details about the lives of Jesus' ancestors. The book is called The Sorted Lives of Jesus' Ancestors. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Jesus family does too you gotta get your own copy go to alicenewsome.com and go ahead and read it and find out all the secrets of Jesus ancestors alicenewsome.com get your copy today you will
1: not regret it I've been busy I've recorded an audio book too Now, the audiobook is a convenient way to hear the stories of the women in Jesus's family tree as you go about your day. I'm the narrator, and it comes with a special audiobook companion document. Get your audiobook now. If you are anything like I am, then you have a stored collection of stories and lessons. I encourage you to get that content out of your mind, out of your device, out of your journal and share it with the world. Enrich someone's life because they are waiting for you. That's a wrap. Another podcast is in the books. It's published. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to get each episode as it becomes available. And please leave a review. Visit my website, AliceNewsom.com. Remember to repurpose and publish. Thanks for listening.